This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and I'm joined today by none other than Dave, who is in serious trouble, if I believe that uh, today's subject. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, no, thankfully, thankfully, I'm not, uh, I'm quite happy to say, uh, as I've been quite successful in this particular realm, but it seems like many others are. And uh, the topic for today is the Linux Foundation uh, Research Division. That sounds very impressive, doesn't it? <laughs> um, in collaboration with edX, released a uh, report back in September 2021 called the 2021 Open Source Jobs Report. And I mean, without too many spoilers like it, it's a little bit of a um like doom and woe and like oh there be dragons do you at least for the first the first half of it um i don't think it's doom and gloom i think it's i mean obviously there's always bias any kind of report has bias and this is being written by the linux foundation research and the edx who have their own agenda of course and mm. there is some, you can feel it in the text here and there. But apart from that, I thought it was rather positive, actually. There's a couple of things mm -hmm. in there, again, no spoilers yet, that actually mm. are moving in a better direction. I personally have a more negative view on the world today, but that's just a little positive me, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's, that's happy, shiny, smiley yawn for you, everybody. It's as good as going to get. Get used to it. <laughs> all right so i mean this is a i think this actually this report takes an interesting view of things because it talks about it both from a uh a person a hiring manager or a organization that is looking to hire people's uh people perspective and it also takes a um a view on the situation you know for those looking for jobs uh, and ha either having or looking to develop open source skills it's uh often you find these things can be a little bit one-sided <laughs> shall we say yeah i'm not entirely sure if they actually disclose how they built the reports on how many surveyed people oh yeah the last page has it so they did a survey from june 8th to july 19th and Alex and Linux Foundation surveyed, surveyed hiring managers and open source professionals. So yeah, they've got information from both ends. More than 200 responded and so on and so on. Anyway, for more people who want to know more, the last page of the report has the mm. uh, justification of why all this is truth, nothing but the truth and statistics. Yeah. Yeah, we all know how, uh, how much of a <laughs> swizzle that all is. But then again, as I said earlier, I kind of didn't see apart from little bias which is always in there always know who's putting the paper in front of you i thought it was a reasonably yeah level-headed approach and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. well let's where 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 do you want to start then oh let's start at the end no let's start at the beginning it's always a good point i guess with the content <laughs> i also like the fact by the way that it's not a very huge document it's still it's like how many pages 20 30 pages something so it's yeah, it's yeah digestible you don't have to spend a whole uh, couple of days on this which is a good thing to be honest um uh, this page i kind of didn't look at at all to be honest because too many colors i see this page i love because i love being <laughs> I an infographic like ah oh, so good so good so much information so many so many pretty colors so many not terribly useful like whatever whatever that visualization is called like circle graphy not a pie chart Gage. honest things yeah um but i think there's some really nice um sort of things that are highlighted here many of which you can see like they have a uh, a little uh, sort of a pic a uh, little what is it um, pictogram image image thing. well a, a little uh, a bit of lettering at the bottom right hand corner which is actually the page number <laughs> that that particular thing is so if you look at the pdf these are actually things that you can hover over and click on to to jump to that particular section so 
I, I, I don't want to really spend too much time on this because I think we'll cover a lot yeah. of it as we go through. But, oh, oh, so good. So good. Anyway, this, I mean, the report is, obviously, it's focused very much on the here and now. So it's focused on the, the time we're in right now, um, you know, lockdowns, COVID, um, many organizations, you know, actually growing quite rapidly following um, certain scenarios that, uh, that have come about and the challenges that that has, uh, has brought them. Um, yeah. And I guess the first thing they'll land on is the hiring landscape. And well, as you said, the, the biggest impact already is there uh, as a result of the pandemic. The fact that, uh, well, everybody wants to work from home and nobody wants to go back to the office, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the sort of, the curious thing that, so this is obviously, this is focused on open source professionals. Um, and it doesn't terribly surprise me that, um, you know, most organizations uh, are looking to increase the number of people. And when I say most, it's, it's still around about that halfway point. So it was 56% of people in, in 2020 and it's, um, it's 52% in 2018. Um, and strangely enough, only 6% of, of organization expect to hire for, um, fewer sure. employees. I mean, again, this is focusing on open source, uh, mm. talent, which for me means it's still a, definitely a good choice to, to specialize if that's possible in the, the broadness of open source to go mm. there because. I mean, I must admit that one of the reasons that I focused on open source at a certain point in my career was because I did see that as a safer path towards um, forever employment. Because mm -hmm. I came from a very closed source environment at that point and uh, had the fun experience to see that company go away and having a lot of knowledge on somebody on something that nobody needed anymore because the product mm -hmm. didn't exist anymore. Open source really, yeah, takes away that that, that, that uh, potential painting itself in the corner. One of the stats there that I did think was kind of interesting is that only 1% of organizations expected to hire no open source professionals at all, which I think is amazing news, but I wonder how much of that is the organizations that they were talking to in the first place. You know, is that really representative that 99% of organizations are going to be hiring open source people. Not, I'm, I love open source, but I'm not quite sure I, I believe the, uh, that that's really the case. No, I think there's a bit of the bias in the, 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 the sample of uh, surveyed people that they took there. I mean, and I don't begrudge them that because it doesn't make sense to build a state of open source employment and then ask people who have nothing to do with open source about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a low number. I'm pretty sure it's higher than that. But that being said, if you, and it's a big if, if you equate innovation and forward thinking and future good performance with the adoption of open source, then I guess all those that won't uh, hire open source are going to die out anyway. So in the end, the 1% will become correct. Mm. See how positive I am. Very positive, <laughs> very positive. And the other thing that's very positive is there's a nice little graph, figure one, uh, showing the percentage of employers prioritizing the hiring of certified professionals. And, and to me, this makes perfect sense. I am honestly slightly surprised that there's been such a significant jump from you know, 2018, it was only 47% of people were prioritizing, whereas in 2021, it's 88%. Uh, that sort of, um, what do you think is driving that? Uh, I'm not sure if I want to talk about this now, because it's a big part about certification coming up at the end of the document. That's true, that's true. So I, I have a very uh, clear opinion about this. 
I'm not positive one, to be honest. But I think we should <laughs> kind of keep that back until we cover that in more detail at the end of the report. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so yeah, then it kind of really talks about um, you know, where people are going and all that sort of thing. But the next one um, I think is worth spending a bit of time on is on page eight, 2021's hottest skill sets. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the leader here, only 46%, actually that surprises me. I think that one's a little bit low. Uh, cloud and container technologies. I I would have expected that one to be higher, if anything. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the percentage means, to be honest. Uh, is that how many of the surveyed people said that that was important? I believe oh yeah, that's how I read it. Because that would mean they have like 200 people interviewed that only 50 people found any of these interesting, which would mean that these are not the highest scoring ones. I mean, well, I, there must be a huge long tail here. Of yeah. course, if you have a lot of developers in the survey, then you'll get things like Rust and Ruby and things like that. And yeah, I guess that mm -hmm. makes it. Um, but the, for me, the main problem with this graph is I don't see Linux development administration as separate from cloud and container technologies because one Fair. is totally embedded into, into the other. Now, you can have Linux development administration that has nothing to do with cloud and container technology, although I would mm -hmm. question the prevalence of that, because basically anybody who's been doing Linux and uh, uh, Linux development administration in any kind of uh, earnest fashion is going to be looking at virtualization and container technologies, or should be, because it's so easy. That's basically why what the whole Linux thing brings to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's also in the rest of the document, I have big focus on Kubernetes, for instance. Well, you're not going to have yeah. Kubernetes without Linux. Uh, so why split off Linux still as a skill set? And that's also something for me that was reading a bit weird. I don't see Linux as a specific skill set you need to invest time on attaining. The moment you start looking at things like cloud and containers or open source products and stuff like that, Linux becomes a prerequisite. It's not something you can. I mean, you, you, I would put. I would not put on my resume that I know Linux. It's like saying uh, I know Word because I can write letters in a computer. That's like, of course you do. You're, you you have open source skills, so Linux needs to be part of that. So I kind mm. of, yeah, not happy that they split Linux off. Yeah, I th I think we'll come back to that in a minute because there's a um, there's another sort of point on that one coming up. But the 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 next piece that I think we can skip over relatively. Quickly uh, hang on, I want to have I've got one one more thing on the uh, on the page we're looking at here. Because yeah. the one thing that also surprises me is how low security practices are. Especially yeah. in this day and age with all the ransomware and all this stuff happening. Again, this report is like a month old, right? This is not from last year. This is in the whole hotness of hotness. <laughs> and mm. security is like just creeping in at the bottom. That yeah. surprised me a lot. Because I would say that if you look at the job boards today, security people, threat hunters, security analysts, they're in demand. I think they're the hottest demanded skill at the moment way more than cloud and containers but apparently yeah. i'm wrong well there's as i say we're going to come to a bit that in a bit more depth as we come up but there's there's a, a brief sort of thing on the the strength of the kubernetes project in terms of contributors which is just a a, a very very pretty bar graph that's uh, continually growing yeah great fine yeah <laughs> moving on um but the one that we move on to is actually more interesting so this is this is technologies of highest importance to open source hiring managers yeah. so this is just the managers the other view and you can see that actually security is higher so it was like 23 yep. percent mm -hmm. in terms of its importance for hiring managers and developers but in terms of purely for hiring managers it's actually you know you know close to 30 percent there so I, I still think that's low but mm -hmm. that's better i would say yeah it's almost in the rounding errors let's say but what you mean then is that it's a kind of lagging happening that there's a demand that's not being fulfilled because people haven't yeah. 
predicted the demand was going to be there and are still scaling up, for example. I mean, InfoSec, unfortunately, is one of those, um, like the information security industry is one of those areas where there are, uh, there's a huge dearth of qualified, experienced people. Like there has been now for, God, I would say five years plus. Um, and it's, it's famous for it, like information security professionals that are good at what they do really have their pick of jobs, roles, uh, compensation. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy and has been for quite a few years now. Um, there seems to be no sign of it really improving mm -hmm. because, um, as soon as, you know, new folks get churned out, they get gobbled up because the, the needs are ever increasing exactly as you said earlier. Um, and there doesn't really seem to be a strong plan that I've seen at least, and I, I've not been in this world for, uh, you know, deeply embedded in this world for a couple of years now, but I've not seen anyone really talking about a, a solid way to, to solve this massive um, kind of staffing skills gap. Well, there's also something that the document talks about. We're going to see it in a second, I think, so I'm not going to answer that yet. But there are a couple mm -hmm. of things that people are doing differently or hiring managers are doing differently now from just uh, trying to find the, the unicorn. Yeah. Which is a yeah. good thing. But the, the call out on this one, which is, again, what, why I said we, we'd come back to this, is that apparently this is the first year that cloud and containers actually outranks Linux skills in terms of its highest importance to open source hiring managers. So I know that you were ber uh, berating the fact that uh, like bah, bah, Linux is not uh, a, a standalone thing. It's it's all embedded within it. But yeah. yeah, I think there's, I think you can still have fundamental Linux skills and there's still, there's still a lot of bare metal out there. It's a lot of yeah, pure yeah. virtualization out That's there. That's why, yes, but the reverse isn't true. You can't have good cloud container technologies and not have Linux skills. Yeah, but so I think, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I think a lot of people are thinking of this from a, like they can't find a lot of these cloud and container experts. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for just people that know Linux that they can yeah. cross train into, which again, well, yeah. get into a bit later because for me this list is more or less the the the, the list of hype words that you find in uh, job postings and yeah, up until recently people were asking for linux skills because if you knew linux you could do everything and now <laughs> okay if you knew if you know cloud and container stuff then you know everything so that i think yeah. is what makes that flip over not that one is more important than the other it's just that yeah. the the terminology that's being used by hiring managers has changed and instead of asking for a technology skill they're asking for a solution skill which mm. i guess is a good thing because in the yeah. end containers i'm saying it's all on linux now windows has container backends as well so does unix so i guess there is other stuff out there in practice i think 99.999 percent of any container stuff is still running linux um but yeah i from that point of view, I can see why the flip happens because hype. Linux yeah. is no longer hype. Linux has now become something that, of course, is Linux. Everybody uses it. Cloud Container has a lot more hype in there. Now, I'm surprised how high it is because 41% is very high. And in the past, on this podcast, I've been more, uh, let's call it reticent on the uh, impending global domination of containers everywhere. Now, it is cloud slash container. So I guess doubling up helps. But apparently mm -hmm. it is more, at least on the hiring part, it's more prevalent than I was, was going to give it credit for, to be honest. Yeah. yeah fair. fair. I mean, if you look at the third one, network technologies, again, very closely tied to the cloud container technologies, because mm -hmm. if one thing, if cloud container technologies do one thing, it's making network a lot more complicated, <laughs> multiple yeah. layers and stuff like that. So it all, it all gets it's... together, of course. I would also say it's very difficult to have cloud and container technologies without any networking. <laughs> uh, Wi-Fi, you don't need networking then, right? <laughs> it's still a network. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that I thought was curious, I don't know that it necessarily surprised me, but like the 
So you, your top one is, you know, cloud and container, then you've got Linux, then you've got networking, then you've got security. And then there's like a reasonably sizable drop. And the, the last four are all within, you know, within a percent of each other. Mm -hmm. So you've got AI and machine learning, storage technologies, edge computing and web technologies, all around that 16, 17, 18 percent, which... Yeah, I I find it so I find it curious that they they're grouped so tightly or so closely. Um, yeah, I think a bit of uh, surveyor bias in there as well. Depends on what kind of companies you've asked the questions mm. to, if this is important for them. But and again, for me, it's it's a lot of this is rolled up in the top three. I mean, storage technologies. Well, if you have a container stuff going on somewhere, you will be talking about persistent claims and stuff like that. I mean, that's storage technology. If you're talking about the uh, RAID arrays, the, the, the NASA's, the SAN hardware, well, at this point in time, I guess that's just hardware and it needs to be maintained. You need to have some DevOps, some system admins or SREs that look at that stuff. But again, just like with Linux, I would personally, and I'm probably too much in my own world here, too much inside mm. the technology world. But for me, that stuff that, of course, you know how to do that stuff, that's appliance. That's just, yeah, mm. get buy a thing, read the manual, <laughs> basically, and then have a lot of fun in integrating it in your monitoring solution. That's the fun part. Mm. Um, but apart from that, and this is kind of valid for storage, edge, and web technologies. Kind of disappointed with edge. Kind of hoped it would be higher up these days. But the AI machine learning one, yeah, I agree there that that's a bit lumped in with the rest, while history kind of said differently. Yeah. There's an interesting quote to the right of this, which I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to take, but like Microsoft reported that they, in quotes, saw two years mm. of digital transformation in two months. Uh, and the, there's a link to a, yeah, a it's blog a famous post quote by now. on the Microsoft 365 blog. Um, yeah, take that with a giant bucket load of salt i would say um well it all depends what you mean by that i mean i know i've been contradicted in that but i still stand by the fact that digital transformation was invented by microsoft not as perhaps the term but at least as a mark go to market strategy they, they started that very heavily uh, three four years ago now and they had some prognosis where they were kind of predicting if you invest this we'll get that stuff like that and what this quote i i've read the blog and for me what this blog means uh, what this quote means is that what they predicted has accelerated because of the pandemic i mean the whole digital transformation for them was go to cloud go to distributed and well nobody can deny that the, one of uh, one of the positive things of Corona, if I can say that, it's not a phrase I like to say, but is the fact that that exactly got accelerated, that people are getting a better work-life balance. And from that point of view, I can kind of believe that because in the last year and a half, a lot of IT departments were totally overwhelmed by requiring more VPN connectivity because people were working from home and things like that. And if you look at it at that point, I can agree with the quote. It's just looking, what are you looking at when you're saying the percentages there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so moving on a little bit further, the professional point of view. So this is clearly where our experience is going to shine through here. And this is the one page that didn't have anything marked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does that tell you? Um, it's a well, bit of a rehash of the, for, of the previous page. It is, but it also says there's a, there's a thing at the top. A majority of professionals, 88%, report using DevOps practices in their work today. Oh, oh. Well, it's up from 75% last year and 85, 58% in 2018. So it's yeah, exponential growth. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not part of that, uh, that group of professionals. I'm, I'm the, on the other side of that particular equation, but hey, there we go. No, but I do like the numbers here better uh, with Linux being further down. Mm. Exactly. I mean, apparently I'm a professional. I must be a professional at something, so maybe a professional at this. Um, for me as well, things like cloud containers and DevOps, uh, GitOps is a new one, haven't heard that one before, uh, DevSecOps. Yeah. Uh, those are solutions which, uh, and skills have moved, I think, from purely technical skills to more solution-based uh, hiring. And that does make sense because again, knowing a technology, especially in open source, you can be an expert today and outdated tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. If you know a solution and actually know how the solution works, the ideas behind it, the concepts behind it, how something like that is supposed to be built, then moving technology is something that you like because you're able to improve your solution all the time. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. The one thing I was missing here was there is not a single mention of the uh, SRE term, which uh, I was thinking in a, in a thing like this, which is filled with hype. SREs mm. are still kind of, kind of, uh, yeah, not present. Yeah. Well, if we, the the next piece of this is all about the the Linux Foundation themselves and their perspective. Um, and they then go on to talk about what hiring managers and professionals say, but there we go. Um, uh, so 41% of hiring managers say that candidates with experience in open cloud technologies have the biggest impact on hiring decisions. It's a bit of a weird phrase, to be honest. But. Yeah, like <laughs> candidates. I can imagine candidates with experience in open cloud technologies have the biggest impact on hiring decisions i think they have to flip it over that their hiring decisions are based on trying to get candidates with experience in open cloud technologies yeah yeah i i mean otherwise it would mean that you interview a candidate and because it almost sounds like they shape your hiring process or something like that just that should not be the case. If that's the case, yeah. you're doing something wrong, I think. Yeah, that, that feels... <laughs> Let's start a hiring strange. drive. Let's just invite 20 random people, see what we like about them, and then build a profile. Exactly. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect way to go horribly wrong. Um, there's a, a thoroughly unsurprising stat. In fact, maybe the only unsurprising thing is that it's not higher, but 61% of professionals say their organization's use of cloud has increased over the past year. Really? Kind of sad they didn't put in the number for last year and the year before that, because I would kind of expect mm. the numbers getting lower, because most people that would move have moved, and it's the laggards that are not jumping in. Uh, I don't. Oh, that's an interesting view. I don't read it like that. I mm. read it as, you know, our our business is growing and more of it is growing on cloud rather than we weren't using cloud yesterday cool. and yeah. we're using cloud today. Or we're using more cloud today for other things mm. that we had. Same thing. Yeah. I mean, the early yeah, adopters yeah, yeah. have everything in the cloud already. The laggards have kind of maybe sniffed at it and are now moving further in there. But I think the cloud adoption hype, uh, we're over the, the hump there. That's uh, what I, again, in my own little bubble of uh, experience, yeah, I would same see here. that. In, and, in my own personal reality distortion bubble, I think we're there as well. But yeah. And this is all specifically cloud. Enough. There's no containerization in there. If containerization was in there, I think that would be higher or maybe even lower because containerization is still before the, big, uh, the, the biggest point. Maybe, yeah. Uh, one thing on this all page right. that I do like a lot, uh, which I referred to earlier, is the first paragraph there. Um, the first situation where new technologies are being built on legacy technologies requiring middleware that often cannot keep up with changing the underlying software infrastructure and then moving to the to the other side to the other column there modern technology changes so quickly that it's confused to begin and focus on the right area to succeed in profession and then going down hiring uses an all-encompassing mix of upskilling cross-training smart hiring and effective retention programs yeah and that i think when you mentioned earlier the uh, how where do you find these people well apparently reality has sunk in you don't maybe the companies need to kind of focus their attention on building knowledge in-house not outsourcing everything some in the document as well there was a mention that uh having consultants do everything for you has dropped uh, in the last year as well mm. they weren't really sure if that was a part of the pandemic or a realization that outsourcing is not the holy grail it's supposed to be mm. but simply having this here unfortunately it's in the Linux foundation perspective it's not in the hiring manager or in the professional's perspective mm. i would have liked it more if it was over there but apparently there is a movement towards hiring maybe junior people that aren't the unicorns that do everything out of the box and then spending time on training them upskilling them now, this does sound very positive, and in the next couple of pages, the negative will come back. But I'm just going to keep that in my head for the moment. Okay. Well, while you're bottling up all that negative energy, <laughs> um, there's, I, I, I agree with the approach or the suggestion that they're taking here. Um, 
I've mentioned a number of times as we've we've talked a variety of different topics over the years we've been doing this. You know, I happen to be a hiring manager in many cases. Um, I've hired a fairly large number of people over the years, over the decades, and it's very difficult to test during the hiring process um, how how really not just willing but how um, what someone's ability to actually learn new skills is how they'll actually take to cross training you know picking yep. up a new um, a new discipline how successful they'll be um, I I've seen I think I've been very lucky in my in my hiring I've hired some relatively junior people and I've seen them flourish and grow and do honestly absolutely amazing things beyond even some of them beyond even where I thought they would be able to get to which was as a as a hiring manager is one of the most amazing things you can do but uh, I've definitely seen other people take gambles on hiring people that they thought had all of the right uh, you know ticked all the right boxes and you know came along with all the right um, not necessarily the right skills, but sort of uh, an indication that they could get there mm -hmm. and those things, you know, not panning out. And it's very, it's very nuanced. There's a lot of, of variables there that it's, it's far easier, I think, to find, you know, I would, no, it's, I was going to say it's, it's far easier to find the unicorns. That's not quite true. It's far easier to make a very, uh, a quicker decision when you find someone that has all of these skills, all of the experience, and like is displays positively in every other part of the interview process as well. And you go, great, this is the right person. Excellent, let's hire them. Away we go. It's far more difficult to assess someone's ability to make the, or to take that journey of, of growth and development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think growth potential definitely in open source is much more important than what you know today. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not a hiring manager, thank God, uh, both for me and the people that should be hired. Uh, but I have been part of a lot of, uh, as you call that, uh, sessions to interview people and mm -hmm. assess things like that. And some companies I've worked for did their hiring through a questionnaire built high above somewhere in the HR ivory towers, ask these questions and then decide if this person is good or bad. Uh, well, skills, good or bad, not, not a moral mm. good or bad. And that's a very bad way of working, I think, because mm. to have effective hiring, in my opinion, you need to have interviews done by people that are doing the job because, and have been doing it for some time at least, not a couple of weeks, but a couple of months, a year, maybe two years, which is getting harder all the time, of course. Mm. Uh, but just having that domain knowledge in, embedded there, because as an employee of a company, you kind of should know what's expected of you and be able to ask questions to get that out of it. And for growth perspective, I think the questions you shouldn't ask are the ones that everybody asks. Do you know the stuff we sell? Who cares? What else are you doing? When you're not working, what are you doing? Because if you're working in IT and you want to work in open source, and in your free time, you're not doing anything with a couple of virtual machines here and there or having a server or, or, or a NAS at home or streaming your movies through the whole house or doing things with, with smart home appliance. If there's nothing like that popping up, that's a bigger reason for me to step back from uh, recommending a candidate mm -hmm. than if he didn't know the product he, he was supposed to be coding or selling if he joins the company. Because... Every company should have a ramping up uh, system, uh, yeah. curriculum, courses, whatever. Onboarding. And onboarding, and thank you. And that should be covered there. But if they will be able to grok that onboarding, which changes every year, if your product is evolving a little mm -hmm. bit, <laughs> that's way more important than the whole hiring thing. And it's been remarkable how slow HR has been to pick that up. Now, current company, I think we're doing a good job. The reason I'm still here. <laughs> Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm here because my colleagues are great, basically. Mm. And yeah. here I don't mean rolling elephant, although, yes, my colleagues here are great too, of, of course. course. Of course. Um, but basically, that becomes a much bigger uh, decision for a 
person to stay at a certain employment, I think. If the yeah. if surroundings can help you grow. Yeah. I mean when you're when you're interviewing people, like testing for things like like curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like if if <laughs> it sounds daft, but like if someone comes in, in into an interview and they don't have any questions for you. Like, I don't care how many interviews someone has done. Maybe they've spoken with so many people and you're the final person they talk to. But they should still have questions because you, in, certainly in, in my case, you're, at the very least, you just want to calibrate. and You just want to make sure that the answers you get from this person are maybe the same or complementary to the ones you get from other people. Or maybe this person may have a different perspective and you should ask questions around that. Now, I don't expect everyone to have like a, come up with a, a giant, you know, multiple sheets of A4 <laughs> paper with like a, a huge questionnaire and, and I start asking me to fill it in. But I, I do want people to be curious. I do want people to, you know, come into an interview with a level of curiosity because often that, that same level of curiosity is expressed throughout their, their work once they've joined as well. Uh, I'd agree, but I also admit that I played a, ga- a game system. Mm-hmm. At the first steps of the interviews, I'm asking questions because I need to know stuff, because I want to learn mm-hmm. stuff, I need to find stuff out. At a certain point, you get to the level where the interviews are no longer trying to see if I'm the right person for the job, but it's more of a, oh, the, the senior VP, whatever, also needs to have his stamp of approval, so you have to talk to this person too. And it's fairly obvious when you reach that point where basically it's all decided, they're going to try and hire you. It's just that everybody must have been exposed to you because whatever. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I no longer ask questions to learn something, but I ask questions in a way to make sure that the other person sees me in the light that I want to show myself. Mm -hmm. So that's no longer curiosity, but still... As you say, if you don't have any questions, then you have a very bad image at that point, and you might just get a thumbs down from that person. So yeah, always yeah. keep asking questions. And this is also valid for when you're not really looking at new employment. I mean, in this uh, in this uh, industry, there's a lot of headhunting happening. And I know right. a lot of companies that say, headhunt- I never talk to headhunters, I don't do that, whatever. I kind of screen them. And if it's a headhunter that comes from a company that interests me just as a company, or they're hiring for a certain job, profile which i think why the hell would they sure i want to talk i have no interest in joining a company but i want to talk and you'll be surprised mm. how much you can learn about the company that way the the state of, of affairs in the whole industry that way just seeing where people are pivoting towards and it's actually usually quite yeah interesting conversations yeah yeah sorry a bit of meander there it's <laughs> mm, okay should we should you do this final piece and then wrap up this episode for now? Uh, let's see. Yeah, we had this page done, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Do we still want to do this one now? I think we do. I think uh, we do this section and then we wrap, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds good. So this yeah. one, thoroughly unsurprisingly uh, here. Um, it, in fact, it kind of nicely dovetails into what you were just talking about, about the fact that uh, there's a lot of headhunting that goes on. There's, you know, the, the fact that there's a, a, a dearth of open source professionals and that they are highly sought out. It's unsurprising that a lot of organizations are reporting at least some <laughs> level of difficulty in retaining staff because they're getting better offers. They're getting more exciting, interesting things that they can work on uh, elsewhere. And people are people are making the jump. And there is, you know, there is definitely a um, an element of this that has been accelerated through COVID. You know, there's a, a lot of organisations now have um, permanent work from home. Um, policies now enabled. Some organizations still don't. Some organizations are still championing that uh, they will get everyone back into offices. Uh, And that, in my opinion, has paid quite a significant part in, uh, you know, why some people have decided to make a move. 
this past year. So it doesn't terribly surprise me that between you know 2018 and 2021, the percentage of employers reporting some level of difficulty has gone up from 78% to 92% uh, in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally understandable. I think that the, the workforce has become more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. One of the, another, I mean, another good thing of a, of, a, of a pandemic, of a crisis situation is that people are expected to be more self-sufficient, think for themselves, take a bit of risks and do things. And as a result, the workforce has become more mobile. The workforce has been more matured. We, we know what we are worth. We, we, we've been talking things. We've been doing things. We have more pride in what we do. And that, of course, makes us more um, confident to try something new, if that sounds interesting. And that's, yeah, that's a good thing, I guess. I mean, it's not a good thing because too much, uh, too, too, too bad retention. So a lot of movement of people is bad for companies, bad for the environment you work in because you keep hiring new people, training new people, and once they're trained, they're going away again. So it needs to be halted somewhat. And what this art, this page also says is that uh, apparently today the hiring managers have less tools to keep the retention up. Because for the first time in this report, financial incentives are the most common means of keeping talent from leaving, which mm-hmm. basically means paying for the talent. And well, that's apart from being expensive, which is a good thing from my point of view, I guess, <laughs> uh, is also a very limited tool because the other yeah. guys can always spend five bucks more uh, to steal the, the people away. Yeah, it, it's it's the it's the least effective method of keeping someone at your organization. Yeah. I really, it always, I've never seen someone have a financial incentive to stay and never long term. They, they sort of stay there forever. Then I, it, it never works long term. Uh, it may work for a short term. It may even work medium term, but eventually, exactly as you say, like there's always someone willing to pay more or the reasons they were looking to leave in the first place are still there in some way, shape or form. Now, this does talk about the fact that, um, yeah, 39% of companies giving, giving open source talent more salary increase than increases than other business areas. And like 38%, so nearly the same amount have increased bonuses for open source staff. Uh, it then goes on to talk a little bit about training incentives, but we'll we'll save that for another time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's it's interesting that this is such a to me this feels like very much a uh, a quick a quick fix type reaction. This is not a long term solution, and it's it's the it's a situation where people are like the difficulty in retaining staff is is stepping up and people are just looking for a, a band-aid to yeah. to stop the uh, stop the pain and like that this is not the long-term answer so i think organizations that are having trouble retaining staff yeah you're going to need to take a closer look at uh, more than just what the ones and zeros say on their uh, on their yeah, on their but- paycheck but this might also mean that the other stuff we're looking at the secondary conditions things like uh, the kind of offices the the, the free lunches the, the the friday afternoons do your own project kind of thing that that kind of stuff is now so prevalent that it's not enough anymore to retain your talent mm. that of course is a good thing because that means the the work balance the, the the work enjoyment things we talked about in previous episodes uh, that that is now so common across the board that that no longer differentiate or attracts people to come work for a certain company because I now have choice. I can have all these same, similar, same uh, ideas in pretty much everywhere I would think of going. Mm-hmm. And the thing now for the hiring managers is, okay, what's the next thing? What, what else can we do? Uh, I mean, and payment is just, okay, everything else fails. Okay, let's throw more money at it. Let's yeah. just say short-term fix. 
but I'm actually also wondering what more they could do to make this uh, more stable, more long-term effective. Because again, yeah, money, money not being long-term effective, what could be still a good thing to try? I mean, people are working from home, they're flexible hours. Again, looking at my own bubble of uh, reality distortion, mm. as you mentioned before, uh, what else can a hiring manager do to hire me away at this point? For me, as I mentioned earlier, but we don't talk about Headhunter, if a certain company is doing something where I think, why the hell are they doing that? And I have a discussion and that sounds kind of cool. That would basically be the only reason for me and a lot of people, I think, to move. And yeah, just telling me I get four, four, a 5% uh, bonus. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay six months more, fine. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... It's difficult to to think for most people what that might be. Mm -hmm. And for the majority of people that I talk to when I'm, you know, trying to extract them from places that they you know, are quite, quite happy at and trying to entice them um, to wouldn't. work for me, for example. Uh, yeah, occasionally. Um, you know, the... The things that most people care about uh, most are actually probably the, the two that matter most are the team that they would be working with, the people that they would be working with. Um, you mentioned it yourself earlier, you know, the, the people that you work with are great and you enjoy working with them. And it's a, it's a significant reason why you would stay. Well, if there's, if the if that isn't as strong then that's that's often something you can use you know to introduce people to other people that already work with you and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah these people are nothing like the folks that i'm working with these people are clearly better more fun having a great time whatever it might be yeah it's, um, for me it's the better uh, I mean, enjoying working with my colleagues is a good thing. It's a bonus. It's not what I look for, although not being able to work with people is, of course, a problem. <laughs> uh, but you have to adapt in the workplace. But I'm looking at, can I learn from these people? Mm -hmm. Exactly. If I exactly. can't. And that doesn't mean that, that they all need to be more senior, but they need to have new ideas, other ways of looking at things and not being yeah. pressed in the, the, the uniform way of thinking and we all do the same thing. They need to be, there needs to be a spark there, something new, something exciting, something that can excite me. I'm old. I need to be excited. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing it, that people care about is the trajectory of the organization and whether it's actually doing something new yeah. or interesting or different. Yeah, but that's tightly coupled, right? Yeah, it is. And though... It, it's it's kind of related to what you were saying earlier about people you know about you know you would take a call from someone if they were doing something that you just like were curious about mm -hmm. or didn't understand why they were doing it that's worth the conversation and i think the it's only it's often only when people are approached with something that is truly different or truly maybe unique that they actually then start to look back at what they're doing through that lens and think, ah, yeah, what I'm doing is no longer, you know, yeah. as cool, as interesting, as unique, as different as it once was, maybe. Maybe it was when they, when they joined. Mm -hmm. But technologies evolve, companies evolve, things change. Definitely an open source. Yeah. And, and, you know, what was what was maybe the, the cool, new, interesting, fascinating thing, maybe... X number of years down the line is maybe not as cool and interesting and new ideas have popped up, new concepts have arrived and new technologies are, are blazing a new path. Yeah, but that's again what I was mentioning before there, the don't focus on technologies, focus on solutions. Mm. Because the solution will always be needed. You need a service department, you need a service center that's always going to be necessary. How, you, what do you use to make that work and improve that solution? That's mm -hmm. your growth path. That's where you can move things. And the moment that company doesn't allow that anymore, then yeah, then it yeah. makes it uh, less interesting, of course. There's a there's an interesting comment on the next page, which talks about the fact that the the practice of delaying a hire until the right candidate dropped from fifty percent in twenty eighteen to only twenty two percent in twenty twenty one, which I think 
uh, is obviously plays somewhat into the uh, the emphasis of this particular report around the fact that you know maybe you don't need the perfect candidate. You can cross train. You can upskill. You know the right you per you the must, perfect you person. Yeah, the perfect person is is scarce enough as it is. The chances that you'll find them are small. So instead, look for uh, look for that. But it it also talks about the the second most common tactic to address talent shortages is delaying new technology projects or implementations, which thirty four percent doing. And that really does boggle my mind. That's not a tactic. It's giving up. Giving up is not a yeah. tactic. Yeah. <laughs> But it might be the only viable route to go. Mm. I mean, if you can't, I mean, it makes no sense to adopt something new and hype if you don't have the people that actually can make it a success. True, true. I mean, that's then indeed delay, get some people, train the people, upskill the people, and then go for the new technology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <sighs> we are we are running on a little long. Yeah, I got one um, final thing. Yeah, go for it. Also, same page, the second column there. Interestingly, open source professionals report being headhunted more in 2021. I know a lot of my colleagues, they sigh, deep sighs, when the headhunters are annoying them and they don't leave me alone and recruiters keep calling me. My message to the people, use them. They are not necessarily wasting your time. You can really use them as a, um, a fount of knowledge. And sure, the first person you talk to, <clears throat> that the standard recruiter probably doesn't know what you want to ask them, but you'll be surprised how easy it is, even without saying you want to have a job, for people to just push on to more knowledge, senior people in the organization, just talk about the concepts, because from their point of view, that means you are an interesting person. Because you have that curiosity, you have that will to dig deeper, and you're not looking at, oh, how much are you paying me? That's actually one way you can have a good benefit from that spam of uh, recruiters. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I think that I would also say, uh, don't worry about uh, the fact that you're getting lots of lots of headhunters and lots of recruiters maybe uh, talking to you so frequently. Uh, start worrying when that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> then you really need to uh, need to be concerned. But I think we're going to wrap this particular episode at that, up at that point. There's a bit uh, a bit more to go as we shift tacts uh, for the second half, but we'll leave that for another day unless there's anything else from you. Nope. I've been all the, all the positiveness I had has now been spent. Fair enough. Well, in that case, that is all the time we have for today. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps. We are on YouTube. You can like, you can subscribe, you can comment, you can hit the notification bell and do all the YouTube things. It really does make me happy. Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag and you can send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Headhunter Dave. And my name is, hi Headhunters, my name is John. <laughs> and we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.